God, thank you for our time and worship this morning. I pray that you would uh, continue that, uh, that you would speak through Michael, you would speak through your word, and uh, you would help us to uh, see you more clearly this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, and you may be seated. As we begin um, this, talking about the, the second point of our statement of faith this morning, we've talked about, spent a month talking about um, God and who He is, His character, His beauty and His glory. Uh, we now move to the Bible, and it's appropriate. Um, once a year we have someone from the Gideons come and share a testimony of what um, that ministry is doing and uh, what's going on with the Word, the written Word. And so this morning Gary Coffin's going to come and, and share a little bit with us. And, uh, and introduce us if we are not aware of what the Gideons do and uh, remind us and encourage us of what God's Word is up to in the world. So, Gary, why don't you come? Do you want to hold this mic or do you want it on the stand? Or do you? That'll be okay. Okay. Thank you. What a joy here this morning. I, over the course of uh, time, I get to visit a number of different churches. And, you know, sometimes you go into those churches and they're just, so, they're just cold. And you, think, you look at these people and you say, I don't think these people even really like each other in here. But I thank God that it's not so here. And it's so refreshing to see a group of brothers and sisters that are serious about worshiping our Lord. And... Uh, I thank you, brother, for having me here this morning. I, I had my Gideon uniform on today here, but I did at least take, took my, my tie off here, so maybe I fit in a little bit better here with you folks. Uh, had I looked into this ahead of time, I would have dressed differently. No way. That is a baby. These are the words that Dee Sorensen heard when she called a friend of hers to take her to an abortion clinic. And by Dee's own testimony, she was an alcoholic, she was anorexic, she was a drug addict. And being pregnant wasn't anything new to her. She'd been pregnant two times before. And both those times she had gone to an abortion clinic. But on this particular day when she heard those words, she called a friend to take her and she heard those words, no way. That is a baby. She said there were just years and years of repressed guilt and shame that began to flood her soul. And in that moment, she said, I raised my fist in a little cabin. It was outside of Cleveland, Georgia at the time. She said, I raised my fist to a God that I didn't know existed. And she said, he heard my cry. She said there was no one in that cabin that day except her, but she heard an audible voice an audible voice say, read Isaiah 54. And I'm not going to read that whole chapter to you, but she happened to have a Bible in that little cabin that she had stolen out of a motel room down in Atlanta, Georgia, a short time before that. <clears throat> and I guess, incidentally, we're one of the few associations in the world that encourage theft. <laughs> but she found, somehow she knew that was in that Bible. She looked up the table of contents. She found Isaiah 54. And in the King James, it starts out, Sing, O barren, that thou, thou that did not bear, break forth into singing, cry, and cry aloud, thou that did not travail with child. 
And she went on and, and read down through the, that entire chapter, and she said she felt like God put that chapter in that book just for her that day. And in that moment, she fell to her knees, and she confessed her sin, and she accepted Jesus as her Savior. And at the pastor's banquet where she came to share her testimony, she had with her this beautiful little nine-year-old girl named Megan, the little girl that she didn't abort. And her and Megan at the time were going into the pregnancy crisis centers uh, in Tennessee, encouraging young ladies to not have abortions but to give their child a chance at life. Dee also told us that night, she said, I don't believe there was anybody that day that was lifting my name to the throne of grace. Nobody praying for me. But she said, I believe it may have been those Gideons that prayed over those Bibles that were placed in that motel room in Atlanta, Georgia. In Acts 1 and 8, folks, we're given a pretty awesome command to take that gospel message that Dee accepted into the uttermost parts of the world. And the statisticians tell us now there's over 7 billion people in the world. Many of them living in uh, difficult places to reach, speaking many different languages. How could Jesus expect his church to reach these people? Well, he wouldn't give us a command without a plan. And I would submit to you this morning that a large part of that plan is this association between the local church and the Gideons over these past hundred years. And last year, that association, that partnership enabled uh, the Gideons to place on behalf of this church and the churches that support us uh, 82 million copies of God's word in these 198 countries of the world now where Gideons are. And I just want to, you know... uh, some of these countries you're very familiar with. Ethiopia, Pastor mentioned Russia uh, in his prayer, Syria, Israel, Peru, Cuba, Haiti, Vietnam. We're pretty familiar with those names. We might know where they are on the map. What about these? Andorra, Burundi, Lesotho, Suriname, New Caledonia, Toga. I don't know where all those countries are. Perhaps some of you do. But the point is God does know where those, where those countries are, and he knows where those lost people are in those countries. And he has formed a, a means of reaching people in those, in those countries. <clears throat> Several years ago, there was a hungry Neditz fisherman who left his hometown in Sika on the Yamal Peninsula in Siberia. The Neditz are fishermen and hunters on the Siberian Peninsula. And on that particular morning when he left his, his little village, he prayed to any god that would hear him to send him a sign. And shortly after he made that prayer, out of the sky dropped a scripture into this into the snow there now he picked that scripture up and he took it back to that village and as a result of that one scripture not only him but there was a church formed in that little village of 30 christians netits christians now how did that happen what he didn't know was that at the time there was a helicopter flying over it was going from Salicard, and it was taking some relief aid to some uh, needy locals there. 
And as they flew, these two government officials were going through the cargo in that helicopter, and the one man said, well, I know what these cans and boxes of food are. He says, but I don't know what this box of these books is for, and he began to throw those out the window. Now, we know that it was a miracle that God had that one fall shortly after that man where it fell, after that man prayed. But also it took, it took somebody in a church somewhere to pay $1.25 to have that, that scripture printed and sent over there to somewhere in Siberia. It took somebody to load that onto that, uh, onto that helicopter that morning. So that miracle that occurred, yes, it was God's miracle in the end, but many people had their, had their hands into that miracle. God uses human beings to sometimes perform his miracles. <clears throat> um, I was told I was given 15 minutes here, and I, I, I should have asked Bo at the beginning here. You <laughs> cut me off as soon as that 15 minutes is up. I don't want to abuse that, uh, that privilege. Several years ago, there were some Gideons that were leaving. They, they had gone into a school over in India and uh, placed Bibles in those children's hands. They were leaving the school, and the teacher came up to them and said, Are you not coming to my class? And they had overlooked one of the classrooms. And so they said, Yes, we'll go. So they went back up a couple flights of stairs and found this little classroom up there that had 26 little girls in it. And some of the little girls were weeping. And the Gideon asked the teacher, why are they weeping? And she said, one week ago today, she said, I, I, gave, I presented to them a, a beautiful story. And the children asked, where would you get that story? And the teacher said, I got it out of the Bible. And they said, well, we'd like a Bible. And the, preacher, the, the teacher said, well, let's pray. And they prayed. And one week later, that prayer was answered. And I'd ask you today, would you consider being an answer to some little child's prayer somewhere that they too could have a copy of God's Word? I was talking to Jeff here. We have a mutual friend that's uh, in the Gideons, uh, Jason Hall, and he just got back about, I, I guess it's, it's been a couple of weeks now, hasn't it? Two or three weeks, where he left his little kids and his wife and he went on a team it's a short term mission trip we have probably 12 to 14 of these a year where the Gideons from the more affluent nations now of these 198 countries of the world where the Gideons are there's about 180 of them are unable to provide the scriptures for their own country so these men come from those other countries that are able the more affluent countries and usually most of them are from the, the US I think on his his team they had 22 men and I think there was 16 or 17 of them from the U.S. But they go into one of these third world nations, and essentially from long before the sun gets up, didn't he say, Jeff? Until after the sun sets, these men are out placing God's word in the places where God has given the Gideons the, the liberty to go. And most of the time, when people think of the Gideons, they, they, they think of these motel Bibles. But the truth of the matter is, there's probably only about 80% of those 82 million that were placed last year that go into motels and hotels. The remainder of them go into the into the hands primarily of the few, the next generation coming on. Most of them are given to school children. And on this particular two-week tri trip that he went into Kenya, and, and the God, I, I was going to prayer meeting that one morning, and it just seemed like God kind of dropped this into my spirit, you know, that we are in a war, folks. You know we're in a war. 
And I felt like Jason at that time, he was one of our special ops guys. They went to Kenya, and for those that two-week period they placed, they had a goal to place 400,000 scriptures, essentially one at a time. But they ended up placing 615,000 copies of God's Word, primarily in school children's hands. And... Uh, they, they were in 1,500 schools. Who, who knows there's that many in all of Kenya? But they, they, somehow God would direct them, and they'd have people to take them out and find these schools out in the, out in the countryside. And unlike in our, in our county even, if when we go in and we're still able to get in, we thank God for that opportunity to go and give testaments to our fifth graders. But you go in and you don't say anything. But over there, in most of these other countries, they're given the liberty to present the gospel. And there were thousands of children, Jason said, that would pray the sinner's prayer. Now, how many of them were saved? Only God knows that. But the opportunity was there. And that's the kind of efforts that, that, that you support when you support uh, this ministry. And so we ask you to do one of about four things here, one way or another. Uh, to support us. One of them is we ask for your prayers. Um, as difficult as the economy has gotten in this country, and it may well affect some people in this room here today, in many of these other countries, you have 300,000 men and women that are Gideons and Auxiliaries members in these countries that are essentially your missionaries. And many of them are impacted much harder than we've been impacted in this country. And in many of these countries that are Muslim countries, um, they serve you and me at a risk of losing their their livelihood and, and, and at times even their lives. So I'd ask you to pray. You don't have to know their names. You don't have to know where they were, where they are. But we found out if you pray in general for these men and women that are serving as missionaries from this church in these countries, that God answers sometimes very specifically uh, in their lives. And they know that it was the prayers of the, of the saints that, that sustain them. So we ask you, number one, to pray. And we can all do that. <clears throat> number two, we ask you to consider, and we found our, our display thing out here. I don't know how many of you have seen a display with cards in it out here. And uh, I'm going to ask Philip, maybe, maybe he can make sure that it doesn't get hid behind the flyers. But anyways, um, these cards are put in, in the churches in our area here. They're paid for by the Gideons of Clay and Cherokee County. They're free to you folks. There's in memory cards there at the death of a loved one or a friend, perhaps instead of going to Walmart and buying a card, you can take a free card from there. You can write in there anything that you want to, uh, to write and send that card to the surviving loved ones and at the same time be buying some Bibles. Now, when you use those cards, you're buying these Bibles that are the motel and hotel Bibles, and they're $5 a piece. And they've been like that for how long, Philip? I mean, they've been like that for 15 years. I don't know why the price doesn't go up. Quality Bibles. God has a hand in this. The statisticians tell us that when one of those Bibles are placed in a motel or hotel room, there's a potential of 2,300 people that come in contact with that Bible. That's a pretty big bang for the buck. So, And there's also uh, praying for you cards, or if it's been updated, there's praying for you. Perhaps there's a family that used to go here. You haven't been seeing them too much recently. You can send them a card and say, hey, we're praying for you and we're missing you. Um, 
Thirdly, there may be some uh, businessman or professional man, supervisor uh, in here uh, that, that thinks maybe God's calling them to do something a little more than serving their local church here, and I'd be glad to talk to you, Philip, Wood, at any time there about uh, joining our local group here of, of, of Gideons. And lastly, we were, uh, we were going to give you an opportunity at some point here to take up a, a love offering. And it's an offering for scriptures. That's what that. That's what those funds will go for. There's nothing taken out of it. These Bibles, the Testaments, for an investment of a dollar and a quarter, a dollar and a quarter, you can provide for the purchase and the placement of that scripture throughout the world. And that includes all the costs of getting the scripture into the hands of someone who needs it. And I think that will ensure that a little boy or a little girl living on a street that you'll never walk on, somebody you'll never meet on this side of heaven, uh, will get a copy of God's Word and be able to read for themselves that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I'm going to close with Miss, uh, Miss Daisy's testimony. Miss Daisy, when she was four years old, she began to be molested in her home. And when she was eight, she wrote a big, on a big piece of paper, she wrote, I hate Daisy, and put it on the front window of her home so that the world that passed by could read that. Nobody else knew who had written that, but it was her that put it on the, up on that window. And then whenever she was about 12 in school, she confided in a counselor what had been going on, going on in her home. And the counselor called the authorities, and Daisy was taken out of her home there at age 12. And uh, that didn't—that wasn't a much better situation. And she ran away from that foster home and went to the streets of New Orleans and became a child prostitute in that city. And Daisy said that um, night after night she would go into this little seedy motel and service her clients, but on one particular day, or night when, when the client left, this Bible was left out on the on the dresser top. Many times these people in the motels they put them in the they put them in the drawers, but this was setting out this particular night for some reason. And she began to read that night that Jesus loved her and that he had died for her so that she could be with him forever in heaven. And so from that time on, when she left those motel rooms, she would look for that Bible. Eventually, she confessed her sin to Jesus, and she accepted him as her Savior and Lord. She's now married, and she's serving the Lord. And she shares her testimonies at pastor appreciation banquets. And at a recent one, she told those pastors that were at that, at that banquet, and incidentally, we have one coming up here pretty soon. We hope your pastor and his wife will be able to attend. But with tears running down her face, she addressed those pastors, and she said, Pastor, she said, you couldn't be there for me. She said she spent years in New Orleans. Thousands of people went by her. No one ever told her that Jesus loved her, she said. And she said, Pastor, you couldn't be there. And even if you were, I probably wouldn't have listened to you. 
But she said, Pastor Harrington, you did what you could do. You had a Gideon at your church one day. And because of that, that Bible was placed by a Gideon down there in that New Orleans motel. So there's eternal consequences, folks. And I know this church, you folks love, love the Lord and you love the, you know, Jesus' heart is to win those lost. And this is just one of those, those ways. I appreciate your time. I didn't see this. I'm sure that's 15 minutes, so I'm going to quit. Thank you for having me here. Gary, thank you. Appreciate uh, what you all do and your time. Let me pray for you and uh, pray for our time. By the way, thank you for today, and we thank you for... Um, your word again. Thank you for what Gary and Phil and the rest of the Gideons do and the, the work that they do to make sure that your word is spread and, and sent out into the world. God, we do ask that you would use that in the lives of people, um, those that need you and that cry out for you, um, that you would, uh, in your sovereignty and your grace, uh, allow them to get a glimpse of you through your word. Mm-hmm. Whether you continue to bless them, uh, and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.